At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable change makers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E presents Healing Conversations, featuring your host, Mildred Lynn McDonald. Welcome, everybody. This is Mildred Lynn McDonald, and I am the moderator today. The topic of our roundtable is this. Do you feel you have enough support in your life to be courageous? And I'll repeat it once more. Do you feel you have enough support in your life to be courageous? Now, that is a tantalizing question, and to help me explore it, I have three wonderful people. Deb Carousella. Good morning. Hi, C. Lutimers. Hello. And John Carousella. Good morning. On a scale from 1 to 10, do you feel you have enough support in your life to be courageous, to speak your truth, to follow your heart, to boldly go where you have not <laughs> gone before? I think so. I think courage is a thing of, from the heart, right? And so really, where do you get heart support? And for me... I get a ton of it from my spiritual walk. I get a ton of it from being physically healthy. It's amazing to me how being physically healthy, having a robust enough constitution so that I can go for hikes outside in the fresh air, how that encourages me, how it strengthens my heart, it strengthens my sense of self and my sense of purpose. Is a huge source of support. Just physical health is a huge source of support for me. If you didn't have the gift of your physical health, do you feel that you would be able to be as courageous as you are? It's mm, a tough question. I think it would be you know, my first act of courage would be to work on my physical health. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Like, what do I do to restore my vitality? Because I really feel like strength the strength of being able to be fully present in your body is such a huge asset in pursuing your your life purpose. Now, who else would like to comment on that? On a scale from 1 to 10, do you feel you have the support in your life to be courageous? I probably would say somewhere between an 8 and a 9. There's a whole number of things that are happening for me on a personal level that are very, very new and are a pretty radical change from my life as it's been up to this point. And I have found while I've moved through this experience and into this newness that support is really, really critical. And there was a time period when I pretty much made every attempt to be as resilient and complete on my own. 
It was a very strong feeling for me that basically I could do whatever I needed to do without any outside help or uh, interaction. And that's still true because I still feel that it's very important that we are ultimately responsible for ourselves and that really all strength and inner conviction resides within each of us. However, the opportunity to share what is happening, the new experiences, the new feelings, the opportunity to share that with others who care about you is invaluable. The exploration of a new experience doesn't mean anywhere near as much I'm coming to find if I don't have other people that I can then share that with. And those other people I am finding are my external support. They're really wonderful, invaluable people to have around you as you experience your own personal inner strength. And I'm very happy that I'm rediscovering the individuals that are there for me. And so that allows me to say that I think I'm pretty much around an eight, a really good solid eight. Gosh, Deb, that's wonderful. And that's a great tip for people. I guess you could look at it before and after. Mm -hmm. The focus wasn't on sharing, and now it's playing such a huge role. I applaud you for being able to bring that sharing vibration into your life and work with it and play with it and appreciate it. I have found for myself personally that it has allowed all of the newness and the uncertainty and the trepidation to really be managed so much more effectively because it's not so much that it's being dissipated because I'm sharing it, but it's, it's not as big and scary because it's being shared. I think that for me, one of the biggest things that supports that idea of courage is knowledge and information. And so as long as I feel that I have a, both a, a steady stream of information as well as a willingness to continue to pursue and seek out additional knowledge and information, that's what creates the support system so that I feel that I have what's necessary to move forward or move into the next phase of something or go to the next level of something. I'd probably choose, if I had to choose a number, I would probably choose like a seven, but that's really more because the eight, nine, ten part <laughs> is that portion of always trying to make sure that the information and knowledge is being utilized or pursued or put to use in a way that is about what is in the highest and best interest, I guess you could say. So probably that, those last three numbers, they just get waylaid by not so much doubt as it is just questioning. I, I probably question too much and I'm never satisfied enough with what there is. So the last three numbers are like seven, eight, eight, nine, and ten is like fine-tuning your alignment all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I get it. 
so what I'd like to throw out there, because as I was listening to everybody's commentary, is since we all feel that we have the support in our life to be courageous, that means that it takes away excuses or procrastination. For oh, not nobody said it takes away procrastination. Sorry. No, 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 hold on, yeah, hold on. It potentially, okay, it could potentially, this is my hypothesis, it could, could potentially take away excuses and procrastination for not really being in tune with your heart. So as I was listening, what I was feeling was if you feel that you have enough support in your life to be courageous, then you're not in the land of excuses or putting things off, and you're very present with yourself. Now, am I out to lunch? I know it's a resounding yes, but in, the <laughs> <laughs> in this particular instance, in this case, I think I would agree with you. Okay. <laughs> that, that she's out to lunch? lunch. No, not that she's out to lunch, but I think that fundamentally that's, that makes sense. If you are in the space that Mildred was just describing, where, where you feel that you are supported and you feel that that courage is available to you, you don't necessarily have any reason to create excuses or to put something off or to make busy work for yourself so that you're not really looking at or facing the thing that might potentially have caused you to hold back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's a it's a cool way of looking at it. Like if you feel like you've got the support then then you're really kind of present to yourself. Then there really isn't anything stopping you from at least making one step forward, right? The next step. Exactly, exactly. Now, if we were going to offer our listeners one tip on how to attract more support in your life, internal or external, what would we throw out there? I would say that the key is in actually giving yourself the space to feel what it is you really deeply want. It's a little bit of an exercise where you use your imagination not to just think it, but to feel it, to embody it. Whatever it is that you feel that is really true for you, your highest purpose, your next step, what's in your heart, and feel it. Give yourself the room to feel it. That will guide you Mm. to something, to somewhere, to someone. I like that. Anything from Deborah Heisey? Any tip? I think that if you allow, don't be afraid, but just allow the individuals who are around you that really care about you, allow them in. Give them the gift of being there for you because most of us are very willing to be there for others and just allow others to be there for you. And and when you do, you realize that even though you alone are the individual that has to deal with or to take action, you are still the responsible party, but you're not alone. And just the fact that you're not alone makes that so much simpler. Excellent, Deb. So John is the touchy-feely guy. You're the <laughs> sharer, and High C is going to bring it home now with... I think it's remembering to find the right balance between looking for and needing support externally as well as cultivating 
the internal strength so that you feel you have the support to be courageous to be yourself in life regardless of what's going on around you because it's good to have the external support but sometimes it's not there and we can't let the fact that it's not there become something that paralyzes us from feeling as if we can't do something or we can't be ourselves or we can't pursue something simply because we think we need to wait for the external conditions to somehow be different or more supportive because if we've always relied on the external support but not cultivated the internal then we find ourselves very rudderless when the external conditions aren't exactly the way that we feel we need them to be and we can get very stuck and what I'd like to add for mine is and I found this useful in my own life in terms of supporting myself internally so I could be courageous and follow my heart, is to give myself positive messages. Affirmations are wonderful, but I don't mean today is full of sunshine and you are sunshine too. I don't mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean like that. I mean spending the time to find out those pressure or trigger point messages that you can work with and turn around into something positive so you're providing your own internal support. For example, for myself, I'm a big one on, okay, just relax, step back, and see what's really going on. So I learned how to do that within my own life, and I find just those words so calming when I say them to myself, just relax, step back, look at what's really going on. And I also, when I'm doing that, I have a little chuckle at myself. So I would invite our listeners to think about what John had to say about the the feeling part, to focus on what Deb had to share about, Deb had to share, I've said share 15 (laughs) times, my goal is to say 20, to be open to sharing your experience with others, to ponder high seas thoughts on balance, and then finally to look at your trigger points to be able to incorporate some positive energy vibrations to help you move forward. So I'd like to thank Deb and John and Hi C for being here today. Thank you very, very much. A pleasure. You're welcome. And please stay with us for the next part of our show where we will be talking about dreams and dream work. We'll be right back. Well, that's our roundtable for this week. Many thanks to Mildred Lynn McDonald and participants Deb and John Carousella and Heisey Lutmers. We hope you found this roundtable discussion engaging and thought-provoking. If you would like to join the conversation, visit facebook.com slash fireflywillows and add your comment under this week's roundtable post. Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this broadcast of Firefly Willows L-I-V-E on Blog Talk Radio. For information on Firefly Willows, please explore our website, fireflywillows.com, or like us on Facebook. This is Mildred Lynn McDonald, and I'm your host for Healing Conversations, 
live from Sebastopol, California. We hope that you're enjoying the show today. Are you fascinated by your dreams? Ever wonder what messages they have to share? If you answered an enthusiastic yes, get ready for an uplifting conversation with Pollyanna Costa and Travis Wernett as they explore the profound and mystical world of dream work. Pollyanna and Travis will share their wisdom, knowledge, and personal experiences. They'll also walk us through a dream work exercise that promises to inspire the dream novice and the advanced dream worker alike. You'll love the refreshing perspective and passion. Travis is a certified dream teacher, Unitarian minister, and musician. He's co-led ceremonies internationally at the Great Pyramids and at the Baha'i Temples in India. In addition to offering individual sessions, he leads dream groups in Northern California and on the Internet, helping people live the dreams of their lives. Pollyanna is an intuitive and astrologer and a dream worker. She loves beauty, nature, dreams, and synchronicity. She feels honored to do her work supporting others on their personal life journeys. You may also remember Pollyanna from the show that we did on Sacred Astrology. So, without further ado, let's welcome Pollyanna Costa and Travis Wernett to the show. Hello there. Good morning, Mildred Lynn. Good morning, Travis. Good morning, Pollyanna. Good morning, Mildred Lynn. Thank you for joining us today. And I have to share that over the last week or so, I have had a lot of people contact me very interested in dream work. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Before we start, I'm wondering if one of you or both of you can give me your spin on what exactly is dream work for our listeners who might not be familiar with the whole area. Sure, I'd be happy to take that one, and then I would love to hear what Pollyanna has to say as well. Dream work is basically a practice. It's basically a practical discipline for engaging the energies of our dreams, and it is a creative practice. It can be a creative practice that involves all the aspects of our beings. There are any number of ways to go about working with one's dreams, and it's also possible to do work with dreams in groups. And both pathways are beneficial in my experience. The most simple way to describe it, I think, would be to say that it's an effort to honor the energies of our dreams, which once we start to pay attention to our dreams, I think there's a, an easy recognition, an honest recognition, that there is something of a larger reality that's being depicted there and offered to us. So it's really, in my words, it's an effort to honor the dream time, the dreaming energies and the other energies that visit us when we're visioning or when we're sleeping at night. And Pollyanna, what would you like to throw in there? That was so well said, my friend. You know, I've been thinking about for myself and many others that I know of dream work as a spiritual practice. Basically, you can say it encompasses every area of our life. Once you start diving in there, you know the practical support that it can offer for your daily waking life, 
the internal knowledge and wisdom that comes when we start like really looking and, as Travis says, honoring these energies. The question that comes to my mind, because obviously mm. both of you are very involved with the dream work, is how were you first introduced to dream work? How did it come into your life? And maybe you could tack on at the end what it's added to your life so people can really feel what dream work is all about. For myself, remembering that as a child, I really was fascinated with these energies and these nocturnal wanderings or these experiences, these visions. And so I do remember spending time with them and contemplating them, not with any real guidance or knowledge of what dream work is or what I was doing. And then eventually at some point, took a class here and there and a couple of workshops and was given some techniques and tools to help me work with my dreams and also finding that I would often be the person in a work situation or in a group of friends that people would kind of ask, like kind of like, you know, you're into the mystery stuff. What do you think of this dream? It's always been there There's when I would dive into it more than others and honor it more than others kept a dream journal for quite a while. And now, of course, once I started participating in groups and started integrating more into my astrology practice, then it just kind of really exploded and given me practical advice, spiritual guidance, guidance with my health concerns or possible concerns. I think all-encompassing over any and all areas of life. It sounds to me that you knew, you had a knowing or you sensed that where you went in your dream state was relevant and meaningful to your practical life. That was something that you knew somehow and then chose to explore it some more. Would that be fair to say? Yes, it would, Mildred Lynn. And, you know, I always had some kind of internal childlike sense and knowing that somehow these were real. You know, if I would say it was only a dream, I would really push that aside. Somehow it's like, no, I know that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) That's important because as our listeners are out there, they're trying to get a handle on where you're coming from. And in the dream area, it seems to come to some people naturally and other people, perhaps like myself, don't readily remember their dreams. So that's why I'm asking that really important question. Mm. And I'd love to throw the ball to Travis and find out how did dream work ever come into your life? It is a big chunk of your life right now. Yeah, it really is a big part of my life, and it really has been a big part of my life. I think it's interesting what you're saying, Mildred Lynn, because I do think that some people might have more of a predisposition or more of a kind of natural experience of dreams and dreaming but i think we all have a natural experience of it at least at some point in our lives so in a sense i could say that i started doing dream work when i was a child when i first started remembering my dreams just like i heard polly speak Mm -hmm. and there's something really vital and important to that because there's something about our dreams and working with them that affords us the opportunity to gain wisdom and insight from within ourselves. Now, formally speaking, I came to DreamWork groups and DreamWork practice when I was in my early 20s, and it was a very practical path for me in terms of I feel it became 
an alternative for me as a spiritual path, but also as a psychological path to really be able to take my life forward. It really grounded me in the experience that I was having in my early 20s and made it possible for me to to continue. So I was in one of these unique situations, which is spoken of at great length in shamanic literature as regards shamanic initiations, where I'm not so sure had I not come to the dream work that I would have been able to walk forward in a healthy and whole fashion. So I I feel very fortunate that I came to the dream work when I did. And I actually took some classes with Jeremy Taylor, who is a world-renowned dream teacher and author in Oakland back in my early 20s. So this is about 20 years ago now. And that was my first contact with the the projective-style dream work that I practice. Now, what I'd love to throw out and I also yeah. throw it out to myself often, is sometimes to appreciate what something means to your life, we can envision what our life would look like without it. So I'd love to mm. ask, if we took dream work out of your life, what would that mean to you? <laughs> no crying. <laughs> no crying. Oh, gosh. <laughs> now you tell me. No. <laughs> well, for myself, you know, it has become, and Travis used the word vital. It has become a vital part of my everyday life. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm always remembering dreams or having recall actually going through quite a dream drought right now. But the dreams energies are still always around. I feel I can sometimes I'll go back and look at some former dreams and go, wow, I forgot about this one, and I'll sit with it for a while. Or maybe just have a little fragment here and there, and sometimes I can get frustrated when they're not around, and sometimes I can just go with it. Maybe waking life is so busy and active. (laughs) Um, Although this morning, I have to say, early this morning, I did break the dream drought. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Actually went lucid and flying and, and all kinds of things. So it's a vital part of my well-being on all mm-hmm. levels to spend time okay. with these energies. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Travis, what about you? What about if you were a bad boy and Santa Claus gave you a lump of coal instead of your dream work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <ouch. laughs> what would that well, look like? <laughs> I, all I can do is imagine what that would be like, and I can imagine that my life would feel very empty and hollow. The flip side of that is, you were asking before, Mildred Lynn, how has my life been enhanced by doing this work? And so maybe that will provide some contrast. I feel that the gift and the gifts that the dream work offers me on a daily level is an opportunity to keep coming back to a larger, deeper, more expanded version of who I am. And the service of the dreams is to continue to remind me of what I tend to miss while I'm awake. And there's so much possibility and so much rich creative potential in the dreams, even in the ones that seem very simple and ordinary or silly and mundane. There's always a lot to be found in the dreams. And I would say that the dreams have also connected me to other people in a very intimate and enjoyable way, that there's a lot of depth and meaning in my relationships with other dreamers and other dream workers and in the groups that I participate in and facilitate. 
And so the enhancement has been to show me ways to be more of a human being, a, a better person, I would say, a more complete, well-rounded person. It's brought me into community. And also, it reminds me of my soul, and it reminds me of the deeper spiritual essences that are also a part of life that tend to be forgotten or passed over, at least in the modern landscape that we find ourselves. People are listening and are saying, wow, this DreamWorks stuff is powerful. It has a lot of potential. How do Mm. I do it? So for our listeners out there, Pollyanna and Travis have kindly agreed to take us through a DreamWork exercise. And we very much appreciate that. And to set it up, because we really do need to create some sacred space to do this, Travis, I'd love to expose a little bit of your music. We can spend about two minutes enjoying liminal, and then after that, dive right into an actual dream work exercise. Does that sound good? That sounds fantastic. And let me just add a word. This is the model of the kind of work that we do in the groups, but also in the one-on-one sessions where we oftentimes will start with a piece of music. And music is one of the ways that we can open to the energies of the dreams and the deeper energies of ourselves. So I invite people to just feel this as an opening, a a portal, Mm -hmm. a window, if you will, a window of sound. So when we finish listening to the song, Travis and Pollyanna, don't wait for me. Just go right into what you would normally do. Okay. All right. Here we go. of the, the 
the sound and the music together with the, the language and the experience of dreams and dreaming. Maybe I could just say a word about this. In the work that we do, we look to the dreams. If we want to know what's possible for ourselves and for each other in working with dreams, the best way that I know of to find out about that is to actually look at the dreams and work with them. So this is kind of an experiential path. And Polly, I'm thinking one of us ought to read this dream out as the listeners listen to the dream and as we focus our attention and energy on the dream. It's the anonymous dream of a woman. So I'm thinking if you would be willing, Polly, to read the dream, it might be nice to hear it in your voice. It might be fantastic, yeah, I'd actually. I'd okay. love to, yes. yes. Oh, okay, Thank you. great. I'm in a parked car. Maybe in a gas station, but not at the pumps. And a guy runs by with a gun. I try to reach over and lock the door, but when I do this, he notices me in the car and starts to come towards me. I try to lock the door, but instead the door comes open. Then I'm in a restaurant and the crazy man is still there. I can remember a big wraparound front porch in front of the restaurant. I keep trying to get away, but he's running around yelling at people and throwing things. Then he's in the kitchen behind a swing door, and I'm at the counter, but down on the ground. Down on the ground, I have an old house-type phone. In my hand, I'm going to dial 911, that old rotary dial. But when I put the phone to my ear, my mom's on the phone. I'm telling her hysterically to call 911 that there's a crazy man with a gun, and now she's becoming hysterical. And I say again, just please call 911. She asks where I am, but I don't know. And I mumble something and then say I have to go call 911. That is when I wake up, but I wasn't afraid. Instead, I'm wondering why my mom was on the phone when I picked up. And by the way, Mom, if you're listening, this isn't my dream, so <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> uh, yes, this is an anonymous dream. This is not my dream. It's not Polly's dream. We don't know whose dream it is, but we do know that it's the dream of a woman. Thank you for that excellent narrative, Polly. So the next step in the work that we do would be... While we've been listening to this dream, as we've been listening to this dream, now, in effect, everybody who's listening at this moment has their own unique version of this dream. So we can begin to talk about this dream and ideas that we have about this dream by owning that fact. And that's one of the ways that group work can be done very well and in a helpful fashion is for us to share our insights by saying, well, when I imagine this dream for myself, really seeing myself in the parked car and at the gas station and dealing with this crazy man, that really I'm imagining myself into the dream, which is really just a way of honoring the truth of what really seems to be happening. So let's start to share some ideas about this dream. And I invite Mildred Lynn to also share some ideas about the dream, if it were your dream. And naturally, we would also want to ask the dreamer at this point anything that would occur to the dreamer that the dreamer would like us to know about what he or she might feel the dream is saying. Since we don't have the dreamer here, let's just start with some comments about what this dream would mean to us if it were our own dream. 
Well, I definitely have some <laughs> some ideas. Okay, yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and start. If this were my dream, I'm really struck by the feeling I'm in a gas station. You know, and if I think of gas stations and what gas means to mm. us, it's the life force to our vehicle. Uh-huh. So this is like water to our cars, which on one level, at least for me, represents our drive and motivation, or at least can be, you know, how we reach our goals yeah. as a vehicle. Of course, you know, I'm thinking Mars here, which has to do with those things, how we initiate action. And so if this were my dream, at least that first little bit, I'm feeling, you know, the first, actually the first line of the car, the opening line of the dream, I'm wondering, you know, if perhaps my goals, my life path, might need a fuel injection to get going. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. And I want to throw in, too, about the pistol, about the gun. Mm thinking of the starter pistol in a race thinking about that gave me that also part of that whole feeling of kind of running with the brakes on you know I'm, I'm, I'm knowing it's time to go and to get started and to take action but somehow I can't uh-huh. and then I'll pass it over to you thank you thank you that's <laughs> great I have lots of ahas Another note about the work that we do is the benefit of doing it. Right now we're doing it in a small group at least with three of us, but the benefit is that each person gets to take away insights in terms of what stands out to us as we hear the dream, but also as we hear other people share their insights. And for me, it's important to note that dreams always speak at least in a language of metaphor and symbol. So this metaphor of the gas station, it starts, the dream starts with the gas station. So if this were my dream, yes, it's a place where I'm dealing with how I receive energy and fuel for my journey. Mm. And the second portion, I try to lock the door when the man notices me and starts to come towards me. I try to lock the door, but instead the door comes open. This is one of the ways, if this were my dream, that the dream is trying to tell me the truth of my situation. I feel like locking this energy out, but the dream says, no, that will not happen. In fact, the door will come open. So my suspicion (laughs) is that this dream is telling me that this is actually an energy, maybe inside myself, the masculine energy in me that I normally see as crazy. It scares me. There's something, mm-hmm. there's something about my fear here. But the dream says, no, the door is opening, so it's time to contact this crazy man inside of myself and to deal with him. And that actually also fits with my imagined experience of the gun, because oftentimes when guns appear in dreams, it's always worth asking the question, if the gun is appearing as a metaphor and a symbol of my need to find some way to express myself, the gun being a very almost nightmarish or an energizing and a sort of blinking red light, so to speak, about how badly I need to express myself. And if we think about what a gun does, it expresses, it explodes, it sends a projectile out. So if this were my dream, there's something here important for me about how I need and want to express myself in life. 
Yeah, I love that. And this is one of the things that's really great, too, is that we <laughs> – we also get a lot of inspiration and insights from each other. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. kind of really gets things going, you know, and I'm thinking about the whole idea of the crazy man and then also crazy woman, the hysteria in, mentioned mm. in here, you know, yeah. and that was a derogatory term used for women. It's archaic term. Right. And also, you know, that my mom is there in the dream in my imagined version. So, you know, I'm wondering if there might be some family history, a pattern, maybe keeping myself small or not doing what I really want to do, you know, which goes along with everything I do in this dream to take care of myself seems to backfire on me. Uh, so sometimes, uh, you know, like sometimes the logical steps that would be supposedly obvious in waking life to take to grow or to solve a problem or to change and evolve, sometimes those steps don't work. I'm hearing a lot of creativity. I'm seeing a lot of value in the sharing. I'm seeing a lot of value in being a witness and being heard. And I like all that. I think that's really good. I can see how this is powerful, and I can see how the more you do it, the more skilled you become at sharing your dreams and one playing off the other and you're being able to apply it to your own life. When I listen to the dream, of course, I will preface this by saying I'm very much a novice. This is what came out of me. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, let's hear it. A flurry of unpleasant activities have taken place, huh. and I have a sense of being unsettled and afraid. And then lo and behold, I pick up the phone, and who's there but my mom? Uh, and it gives me a sense of safety and security and grounding. Mm, mm. And that's about as deep as I get. <laughs> that's, that was powerful, though, Mildred Lynn. That was powerful. That's wonderful, yeah. And you're, you're wonderfully illustrating for us. There's a natural way that each of us has of doing this work. And mm. what I find, what I'm experiencing right now is a lot of times folks that don't have a lot of experience with the work get right to the heart of the matter and have wonderful insights. That takes me right to an experience of one of the healing elements in this dream, that my mother is there. And she's not just my mother, but she's the mother, the capital M mother, like the mother of us all, a divine type of mother. We could call that the goddess. We could call it the divine. But there is a sense now in all dreams i've been working with dreams for 20 years i've been working with my own dreams and with other people's dreams there's always an important message of health and wholeness and all dreams come in the service of health and wholeness and all dreams come to tell me something that i don't already know so even dreams that have a flurry of unpleasant activities in them are providing myself as the dreamer with an experience of how to find the solution to the problems that the dreams might be painting. So I love that connection with the mother. That's fantastic. What intrigued me about yeah. the process so far is, as I said, there's the creativity and there's the sharing and the witnessing and being heard. Yeah. What seems to be the most profound or healing or useful in the group setting? Is it people having an opportunity to bounce off each other? Is it people feeling heard? Is it people being mm. able to be creative? Is it simply having a witness? 
Polly, what would you say about that? And then I'll say something. Well, I think it's all of the above. I think that one of the things that feeds me about these groups is the fact that we're in a very strong, sacred, safe container. And there is incredible respect and reverence for the dreaming energies and for the deep sensitivity and personal matter of the material being shared. Yes, it is the seeing and the and, and the hearing and the sharing and then the personal insights that any and all in the group can receive, whether it's our own dream or someone else in the group. So I think the answer to that is all of these. That's great. That's wonderful. And I would just try to put my arms around that and express it in maybe a slightly different way. That the main benefit to me of the groups, there are so many, so it's hard to like name just one, but I think I might be able to do that by saying that there's an act of courage and vulnerability. Mm, yes. And the yes. vulnerability, the willingness to open up to these energies and to not know what they're going to tell us every single time that we meet is a huge benefit. And it's an empowerment for everybody involved, for those who are willing to receive that empowerment. So it, it's a practice of courageous vulnerability, I would say, in which in that vulnerability there comes an opening where we are instructed by something much more wise than our waking ego tends to be. Now, I'm going to throw in a wrench, or I'm going to bring the yellow elephant into the room. What about people who can't remember their dreams, like me? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, I can say a few things about that, and then I imagine Polly would want to say something about it as well. For folks who don't remember their dreams, now, I wouldn't say, if it were me, I wouldn't say that I can't remember my dreams. I would just say that I'm not remembering my dreams. And there's a, a long list of considerations around that. I would say, don't let it stop you. If it were me not remembering my dreams, and one of the things that I experience over and over again is people come to the groups from time to time or even come to individual session work, and they say, well, you know, I really don't remember my dreams. But once we start doing the work or once we start agreeing to talk about dreams, the mere agreement to talk about them or to gather together and to focus energy and attention on them tends to increase a person's ability to recall the dreams. The other thing to take into consideration is it's really essential on a certain level that we send a communication to our deep selves and let our deep selves know that we really do want to know what our deep self has to say. And so... I think that's one of the biggest steps from my perspective is that we communicate psychologically, emotionally from the heart that we really do want to receive an inner message of wisdom from our dreams. So when folks don't remember their dreams, it's still entirely possible to do the work, just like Mildred Lynn, I heard you share such a potent, for me it was a potent insight and observation about the dream that we shared and that we were working with, so I would say for folks that don't remember their dreams, coming to the individual or the group work is another opportunity to work with the dreams while we're awake. And I would just trust that that's, that that's a, a potent, rich, creative possibility for somebody who doesn't remember their dreams. 
if a person is listening and they decide that I'd really like to explore this dream work, when you go to bed at night and you pull the covers up, yeah. if you say to yourself, I'm open to receiving the gifts of whatever my dream state has to offer, is that something you might recommend? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think if we can gently and lovingly just tell ourselves that we want to remember, and it's a practice that I have to do from time to time as well, while we're falling asleep, if we just slowly remind ourselves, and some people might like to just hold that intention or, or others might want to put it into a, an easy short phrase, I often fall asleep saying to myself, I want to remember my dreams tonight. I will remember my dreams tonight. And I just sort of gently chant that in my mind's eye as I go to sleep, and I find that that's a really big aid that really helps. Now, if I had a nice big piece of butterscotch pie before I went to bed and then said that, would that enhance <laughs> the probability of remembering the treat? What kind of pie? <laughs> butterscotch pie. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever had that before. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing yeah, you. Yeah. Pollyanna, what do you have to offer if a person can't remember their dreams? Any well, whipped cream to put on top of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, the word that comes to mind is invitation. And, and Travis basically said the same thing in a different way. But even the simple thing of keeping writing materials next to the bed and writing that intention it can be a very simplistic form of dream incubation or dream seeding and saying for myself writing something can make it kind of real and give it more energy so mm. writing the invitation or the request and also the being open i think to spending some time through the day with some prior dream material. You know, I've been going through very sporadic dream recall lately, so sometimes what I do is I pick up either an older journal, even the one I'm working on now, dream journal, and spend some time with that. So if for someone who has, doesn't have any material that they remember at all, I think joining the groups, spending time with other people's dreams can help spur the dream recall, getting the one-on-one sessions, sometimes therapy. Sometimes people will come to the group and they'll even say, you know, well, I never remember my dreams. And then they come back the following week and they say, wow, (laughs) (laughs) this really worked. So, you know, the invitation, the intention, and I think it's also true. Sometimes we've got to look at the fact, do we really want to see what's going on in there, in Mm. the psyche? And I think sometimes, I know for myself, maybe sometimes I've got so much going on in the waking life that sometimes the dreaming is quiet, or at least the recall, because I've just got so much on my plate. So I hope that answers your question. seems to me you shared a wonderful poem by David White that yes. relates to dreaming. And I'd like to invite you to read that. Then we're going to take a little break. Yes, yes, I will do. And this is like a poetic, I'll call it a poetic inoculation for the remembering of dreams. The title is What to Remember When Waking. In that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake, in that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake, coming back to this life from that other more secret, movable, and frighteningly honest world where everything began, 
there is a small opening into the day, which closes the moment you begin your plans. What you can plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep. What you can plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep. To be human, to be human is to become visible, carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To be human is to become visible, carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To remember the other world in this world is to live in your true inheritance. You are not a troubled guest on this earth, not a troubled guest on this earth, not an accident amidst other accidents, not an accident amidst other accidents. You were invited from another and greater night than the one from which you have just emerged. Now, looking through the slanting light of the morning window towards the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Is it waiting in the fertile sea? Is it waiting out past the trees beyond the house? Is it in the life that you can imagine for yourself? Now, looking at the slanting light of the morning window, looking through the slanting light of the morning window toward the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Wow. And I want to share for our listeners that if you'd like to hear the poem again, as recited so beautifully by Travis, you can simply replay our show today, which is available on a blog talk radio in the archives. Pollyanna, anything hit you while Travis was reading that poem? This is such a potent, <laughs> such a potent poem. And I think I'd like to use this for myself as a reminder. It makes me feel almost childlike. You know, when mm. we have that wonder and it's untainted by things we have to do or jobs or bills or anything like for me the feeling of this dream and excuse me (laughs) there's a little Freudian slip for you and the first time that I heard it at Coffee Cats when Travis gave a talk to me it's an entry into the dreaming world so something like this could be a tool for someone at least for myself because it makes me feel those energies and kind of puts me in it's kind of like when you watch a movie and it puts you right in the movie this is how I feel with this poem what came to me is I can work with this I could read that poem again or have Mm. it read to me listen to it Mm. again and Mm. I feel that there's seven to ten salient points in there that I could circle or underline and apply to my life I came away with a practical vibe, and I really liked that. Mm. I wanted to dig in. It was like meat and potatoes. I've been reciting that poem almost every day for the last four weeks in the morning as a reminder to myself oh. not, to, not to miss that opening, to step back in my busyness and to try and create a moment where I'm open to receiving that opening to the dreams and, and to the dream of the day as well as it opens up before us. 
Yeah, I'd like to add something to that is that yeah. I really like the fact that evokes for me the reminder of the bigger picture. Oh, what am I really here for? Who am I really? Oh, mm. that's mm. right. Mm. You know, we come in and they say, or, you know, I've heard we come in and we know what we're here to do. If you believe in reincarnation, we choose everything. And then we come in and we're born and we forget in a way because I believe because we have to go through the life experience. That's part of the journey of getting there. But to me, this powerful poem is kind of a reminder and I think I'm going to follow that practice of maybe reading it on a little more frequent basis that there's more to the picture than meets the eye that we all have a greater, we all have our greater self to grow into. And I find mm. this really helpful for that. So let's take a little break. And yeah. when we come back, we will dig in to some starter tools for our listeners. I think everybody will get a lot out of our next segment. As promised, we're always thinking of ways to bring you a fresh new perspective. Check out this lineup of our newest shows. The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring Firefly Willow's L-I-V-E favorite, Heisey Lutmers, and his co-host, Charlie Harrington, on the second Tuesday evening each month. A Shamanic Life, hosted by John Carousella, on the first and third Tuesday evenings each month. What's Your Prescription for Balance, with Dr. Glenna Calder, the first Thursday afternoon each month. And Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lizney the third Thursday afternoon each month. Introducing our newest show, the second and fourth Saturday mornings each month, From Beyond, with mother-daughter psychic mediums, Nadia Shapiro and Dr. Barbara Williams. We're excited. Give us a listen as we continue to create new and entertaining ways for you to shine your inner light. Join us at Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. And we're back. This is Mildred Lynn McDonald. I'm your host for Healing Conversations, live from Sebastopol. Today we're talking about dream work, and we are very fortunate to have two wonderful people here. We have Polly Costa and Travis Wernish. We are going to look at some starter tools for people yeah. who would like to remember their dreams. Yeah, happily, very happily. Now, there's a long list of things that we can do to recall our dreams and that we can, practical tips that we can use. I think one of the most important, we touched on it before, but I'll mention it again in brief, to just make a decision that we want to remember our dreams. And that may involve from time to time remembering dreams that don't seem very pleasant. Now, to assist with that, it's helpful to have at least one person, if not a group, somebody that we trust, a cohort, to share our dreams with. If it's just a matter of sharing our dreams with a loved one at the breakfast table and just having that space early in the day, in the morning, to either write them down or share it with a loved one. The other thing, and then I'll turn it over to Polly, I find that it's very helpful to take a vitamin B12 complex supplement every night before I go to bed and that this stimulates and assists my ability to recall my dreams. So sharing it with somebody else, deciding we want to remember the dreams, taking a vitamin supplement, and also, if I didn't say it already, writing the dreams down in a journal is very helpful. 
Polly, what would you add to that? Well, I think we said it before, you know, the, the invitation, the decision, and telling someone else, as you just mentioned, and then whatever dream material that we do have, and maybe it is something from childhood. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. feel like everyone has a dream from some time in their right. life. It might not be very pleasant or maybe it's some recurring kind of childhood fears or something, but to enhance the memory or enhance the self-interpretation or understanding for those that maybe have a little bit of recall or you know are already keeping a journal and, and want to do something with that material, something, and I still do this sometimes, I'll write down some of the symbols. So I'll make a list. And taking the dream that we had before, so there's a car, a gas station, pumps, a gun, my mom, a phone, and sit with it, the idea of a car. And, and what does that make me feel? What does that bring up for me? Yeah. Sit with, you know, a gun. How do I feel with that energy of the gun? And there's all this 911. We have all these personal, we have the fact it means emergency, and then now it has this big collective at least in our nation, association with it because of 9-11, for example. So yeah. I find just writing out those symbols, the flower, well, or even spending a little more time looking at that flower in the dream. Wow, what mm. color was it? What are the sensations that come? So we can do this on our own, and, of course, doing it in a group or with someone else can definitely enhance it, but this is something that each of us can do on our own. I'm envisioning a bookstore you go to the certain section of the bookstore and you can pick up a book on dream symbols do you use that data in your practice i have some can't say that there's no value there but i have found that sometimes they can be very linear you know like this is the only dream that a car means sometimes it's very good bad <laughs> So I, can, I find that especially if one is beginning, it might, depending on the book, it might be, sometimes it can be frightening. You maybe have a dream of a pearl necklace and, you know, the interpretation for it says something, you're going to lose all your money or something like that. Well, that, you know, that can be really frightening and scary. And there's so many other things that it could be. And you have to look at the context of the whole dream and also the personal association and what the dreamer is going through in that. So, you know, it would depend on the book. You know, I do refer sometimes to Betty Bathar the dream book she was a psychic who was well respected and take it with a grain of salt as far as the dream dictionary goes I do have several I have to admit and I do refer to them periodically but I also take what feels right and what resonates and let the rest go that's spot on but I would also just add that there's any number of symbol books about symbols in dreams or just symbols in general there's any number of dream dictionaries and i have several and sometimes when i'm stumped i'll flip through the various dictionaries just to sort of get myself going to see if anything resonates like if it resonates and i have an aha then okay i can continue to unpack that or unfold it by myself or with myself but this does point out one of the difficulties in working by oneself. It's certainly possible to pay attention to and remember our dreams and honor our dreams and experience our dreams on our own. 
but there's a, a way in which it's difficult for each of us to see our own selves. It's like the old saying about how surgeons don't operate on themselves and hairstylists don't necessarily give themselves the best haircuts. <laughs> it's also true with dreams. It's hard for us to see what's true for ourselves in that form, but when we work together with at least one other person or in groups, then we get reflections that come back that can show us, oh, gee, for some reason I couldn't see that when I was by myself, but with the aid and the assistance of another person or a group, it suddenly becomes possible to go deeper and to have those ahas of insight and to have those realizations. I like that. From your experience, what makes a good dream work circle? Is that the right word? Or I know sure. you can do it with one person, but... Sure. Polly, do you want to respond to that first? Well, for myself, one of the things that I appreciate about these groups that Travis facilitates, um, I have participated in other groups, but my <laughs> the majority of my experience in group dream work is with Travis, and I, I'm very, very deeply grateful for this work. I think that we talked about the container, that it's mm -hmm. a sacred space, because there is vulnerability in these energies, and it does take courage to share in a group. Even though dream work is something that is all-encompassing and boundless in its applications and directions that it can go and where the energies can show us, the beauty of this projective-style dream work is that it is great because we can have our own unique blindness. We can't mm -hmm. cut our own hair or operate on ourselves. So it's great to get those other insights, possibilities. And then, that being said projective style dream work does is it respects the dreamer's own internal wisdom. We would never, ever, ever in these groups or the one-on-one -on -one work dictate to someone what his or her dream means. The dreamer always has the ultimate authority, and this was something that, for me, resonated from the very beginning. Yeah. Now, if I were to ask you, Pollyanna, if you had your dressers, would you prefer a group with five people, 500 people, 15 people? What's the size that you find makes sense? <laughs> well, it, it varies. I've been in groups where there's been 15 or even more people, mm -hmm. and it's a little bit more difficult for me as a very private person. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of value. So, and there could be a lot more input. And that being said, when we have this, when the groups are smaller, like a handful of people, there is a sweetness and a, you know, another level of intimacy in them. Now everyone has their different uh, preferences. So for me, generally I prefer the smaller groups. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about you, Travis? you hold the energy of the group, being the group yeah. leader? Is there a size yeah. that you find feels really good on? Well, I like somewhere in the neighborhood of eight folks in a group. That seems mm -hmm. to be, we chug along pretty healthily at that rate. The thing with larger numbers of people in a group is there will be more insights from different perspectives. There will tend to be more diversity of insights and ideas that come out. So I appreciate and value that. I'm also a dyed-in-the-wool introvert, so, you know, the smaller group also suits me. And I would also just respond to the first part of the question, too, about what makes a good dream circle. I think it really comes down to tone, and I think it really comes down to 
people can study, and I've studied a lot, and I just happen to enjoy that, the different theories and the different ideas and the different approaches to working with dreams. But the fact of the matter is, if a group of people comes together and has a tone of curiosity, a tone of exploration, and a tone of mutual respect and mutual dignity, that is going to be a stellar dream group because the dreams themselves have so much more to say than any of us could hang upon them. That's the real, that's the fun that happens in this work. It's serious and sometimes difficult feelings come up, but it's also almost always, if not always, fun because it's a process of discovery. It's the spirit of exploration that comes through in doing this work that really, really has a thread of passion and vitality within it for me and for the folks that I work with as far as I can see. So curiosity, respect, and dignity, they're cornerstones. Yeah. They set the tone. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I like that. Now, the other thing I'd like to ask both of you, and maybe we can capture some thoughts of listeners out there, what are the common questions that people ask? Probably get tons of questions. <laughs> well, I'll I'll tell you one that I that that I get sometimes and this is just being out in the world, not so much in a session. But hmm. oh my god, I had this dream, can you tell me what it means? <laughs> and I have to answer no, but I can offer you some intuitive insights through the own filter of my life experience and training and give you some ideas, offer some ideas, and but turn it back to the dreamer, that the dreamer has the ultimate authority over what his or her dream means. Yeah, and then I'll leave it to send it over to Travis. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I find that too. I find that's probably the most frequent question that I get is when people find out that I work with dreams, they sort of begin to throw dreams at me, which the circumstances provide. I love that, and it gives us an opportunity to interact and for me to share what I do with people. The other thing is I think a lot of times people say, it might be even in an unspoken or unarticulated fashion, why work with dreams? Hmm. And we were talking about that towards the beginning, but really the answer to that question and the way that I try to present it, the way that I do present it to folks is to say that in dreams are the missing pieces of ourselves and we get to return to those missing pieces through working with the dreams. It's a bit of a, it has been a bit of a lost art because our culture has become focused over the last period so focused on ego development and achievement what we call a solar consciousness but in a sense the dreams are coming back and they never left anyways when we go to sleep at night and even when we're awake in the daytime there's a way that the dreams come to life for us when we're not paying attention to them there's a rich possibility for engaging these energies and I really whenever people ask me questions about dreams I try to think about how can I remind folks that we're dealing with these energies whether we choose to or not and the more we look into it the more we realize wow you know there really are a lot of things that happen that I can't necessarily control or explain or where does this stuff come from I'd love to give you guys a moment to think about some resources, people or websites or blogs or music that you'd like to share with our listeners. But before we do that, 
Travis, I'd love to feature another piece of your music. I believe this one is oh. called Elephant. Elephant Logic, yeah. Enjoy a little bit of Travis's music, Elephant Logic, and then we'll be back. How does that sound? Great. Great. <laughs> Elephant Logic, Travis's music. Travis, what yes. category would your music fall under? How do you describe it? I would describe this music as dream incubation and dreaming music. And another way to describe it would be to call it meditation music. And I do want to let people know the album that both of the songs that you've played on the program is called Yoro Yoro. Y-O-R-O, Y-O-R-O. And I don't want listeners to be confused. That is my project and my album, but I released it under a musical moniker, which is Outlaw Dervish. And this is also a musical collaboration with Ben Leinbach, who is quite well known and does fantastic work with meditation music. And what does the name mean? Basically, that's an Australian Aboriginal word phrase which means it's from the northeast of Australia, from the indigenous folk that live there, and it's a word phrase. I've spelled it differently on the album than they would have spelled it. The word phrase itself means everything standing up, coming back to life, everything standing up alive, new and fresh. Okay, okay. And the other song that we played, the one that we played earlier, Liminal, yeah. what does that yes. mean? Liminal. Liminal is a word that basically talks about the experience of being on the threshold, being in between places, neither here nor there. They're lovely. Thank you. So let's get around to sharing some resources on dream work with our listeners. Who would like to go first? 
I'll, I'll go first. You know, I like anything by Jeremy Taylor, Robert Moss, and then my main resource, actually, I have to say, is Travis. When someone needs group dream work, for example, I refer them to Travis's groups, and I'm sure we'll give you that information at the end there. But I think it's a tremendous resource, and, and that's who I go to for one-on-one work as well. In fact, that's how we met. So. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, what about you, Travis? What do you have to share in terms of resources? Well, I would say that also Polly is a fantastic group, and I would echo that if folks are interested in or attracted to working with her as well as with the astrology, but also with the dreams. And also I'm available. I have a website, the dreaming well at wordpress.com. And I have written several blogs there and I'm updating blogs on a regular basis where I'm addressing the issues and the questions that would apply to dreaming and dream work for both novices or beginners and also more experienced and advanced folk. So I really provide a lot of information there on the blog and also on my dream work and sound healing page about the kind of work that I do and what's possible through working with the dreams. As far as the music that you featured today, Mildred Lynn, that's available. Uh, My album, Yoro Yoro, is at iTunes and Amazon.com. And you can get also physical hard copies if you're a physical hard copy person at cdbaby.com. As well, I want to make sure that people have my email address. And folks are more than welcome to email me with questions. And I can also offer a further list of resources for books on certain topics, specific topics about various areas of dreams and dreaming. And my email address is Travis, T-R-A-V-I-S, at intuitivesound.net. And that's at I-N-T-U-I-T-I-V-E, sound, S-O-U-N-D, dot net. And I'd love to hear from folks. Okay. And Travis, you had mentioned earlier in the show a person. It was either you or Polly, a person that you um, was a great resource. Jeremy? Jeremy Taylor. Yeah, Jeremy Taylor. He heads up the Marin Institute for Projective Dreamwork, which is where I do my certification. And he's one of the most well-known and well-respected people who have been doing group dream work for almost 50 years now. And so he's been kind of a a real revolutionary force in the dream work community as far as group work is concerned. JeremyTaylor.com. You can look him up at JeremyTaylor.com. And would you like to share your email address once more? My email address again, and I'll go a little slower, is Travis, T-R-A-V-I-S, at intuitive sound.net and that's at i n t u i t i v e sound s o u n d dot net and i do want folks to know that i do skype sessions i do one on one sessions via skype and i also have online groups where we do video calling so no matter where you are in the world or in the country 
If you're interested in doing some group work or some individual work, I am more than happy to offer that and to provide that. And it is the holiday season, so I also want people to know, if you'd like to gift somebody a dreamer that you have in your life that you know would benefit from this work or be interested in this work, I'm more than happy to set up a gift offer for somebody in your life who's special to you who dreams. Very nice, which would mean everybody, because everybody dreams, right? Amen, (laughs) yes. If someone was interested in getting a hold of you, what would be the best way? Well, they can reach me at polly at sacredstarsastrology.com, and that's P-O-L-L-Y, at sacredstarsastrology.com, or they can also call me at 707-843-4503, and my website is www.sacredstarsastrology.com. And I'd love to work with them. I also can set up a gift package or that if someone is interested in working with me. Generally, when it comes to the dream work, it's usually part of an astrology session, but we don't have to use the astrology with the dreams. Just for me, they happen to work together quite organically and wonderfully. Or they can even, if they just want to get an astrology reading and not ready to talk about their dreams quite yet, they can certainly do that as well. And I love helping folks. Before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything enticing? I think I would just want to say to all the dreamers out there, trust the dreams. Trust the dream time and trust the dreaming, even though it might look like the dreams aren't holding our best interest in mind. In my experience over 20 years so far, they always are. Even the dark and disturbing dreams have creative possibilities of enormous potential in them. So please trust that for yourself. My experience has been that paying attention to and working with and honoring the dreaming energies can really assist us in our practical waking life, as yeah. well as illuminate our soul's deepest longing. Mm. You know, what are we here for? What is our place in the universe? I would like to thank Pollyanna and Travis for being here today. And oh, I will be taking in one of your dream groups and hope to have you back on the show in the new year. How does that sound? That sounds fantastic. I look very much forward to it. And I want to thank you, Mildred Lynn, for creating such a wonderful space in order to share the information and the experience. It feels very vibrant and wonderful. And so thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Thank you, Mildred Lynn. It was wonderful to be here and wonderful to be here with my dear friend, Travis. And Uh, we look forward to having you in Dream Group. I can't wait to hear about it. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, welcome. Bye-bye now. Yes, we've added to our lineup of lively, thought-provoking shows. But don't forget our original Sunday morning lineup at 10.30 a.m. Join us for Healing Conversations with Mildred Lynn McDonald every first Sunday. Revolution with Heisey Ludmers every second Sunday. Convergence with John Carousella every third Sunday. And our popular on-air call-in show the fourth Sunday of every month. We're excited. Give us a listen as we continue to create new and entertaining ways for you to shine your inner light. Join us at Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Thank you for joining us.
This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for A Shamanic Life with John Caracella, Tuesday evening at 8 p.m.